0: Hi, this is Life Coach David. Thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction life coach. So, if you want to learn how to live your life from a Law of Attraction point of view, which is such an amazing way to live and to experience your life every day, please contact me at lifecoachdavid.com through the contact me link, or you can just email me at david at lifecoachdavid.com, and we can schedule a complimentary first phone coaching session. And all my coaching is held over the phone, so it doesn't matter where you live. And before we get started today reading from Money and the Law of Attraction, I just wanted to share a few wins that I've had that are very exciting. One win was that I was part of a panel that was interviewed on another popular podcast. And that was a fun thing to do. And if you want to hear that, you can go to voiceamerica.com and just do a search for Marla Goldberg and look for the most recent podcast she has about manifesting for 2021. And secondly, I just finished writing a wonderful novel. It's kind of a contemporary fiction with a new age twist novel. It's fantastic. And I'm looking to get it published. So if anyone listening is a literary agent or a publisher, please contact me because you're going to really want to get your hands on this one. It's fantastic. And I hope you've been listening to previous podcasts because there's so much wonderful information in Money and the Law of Attraction. And I hope if you have, you're using it to help your own life. So now I'm going to continue reading from that. And just to give you the full title in case this is the first podcast of mine you're listening to, I've been reading from Money and the Law of Attraction, Learning to Attract Wealth, Health, and Happiness, which was written by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And this is going to be very interesting today. This little section is called, Is There an Appropriate Time to Die? Jerry asks, Are there any limits of control for our bodily conditions as we approach a hundred years of age? And Abraham answers, "...only the limitation caused by your own limited thinking, and all are self-imposed." Jerry says, "...is there a time today, and if so, when is it?" And Abraham answers, "...there is never an ending to the consciousness of you, so really there is no death." But there will come an end to the time that your consciousness will flow through this particular physical body that you identify as you. It's up to you when you withdraw your focus from this body. If you have learned to focus upon good feeling subjects and you continue to find things in this environment that excite you and interest you, there is no limit to the amount of time that you can remain focused in your physical body. But when you focus negatively and chronically diminish your connection to the stream of source energy, your physical experience is then shortened. For your physical apparatus cannot sustain long-term without source energy replenishment. Your negative emotion is a signal that you are cutting off the source energy replenishment. Get happy and live long. And I'm going to read that last sentence one more time. Your negative emotion is a signal that you are cutting off the source energy replenishment. Get happy and live long. And that's the end of that little section. And that's interesting. I never heard it put that way before. Source energy replenishment. But when you think about it, when you're really happy and having a good day and a joyous day and thinking about what you want, that high vibration does feel like a source energy replenishment. Like I know when I've gone from a low vibration to a high vibration, it does feel like I'm replenishing my source energy, kind of like filling up your tank of gas. (laughs) But instead of gas, you're filling up your feelings with higher vibrations, source energy. Very interesting. And the next section is called, Are all deaths a form of suicide? Jerry asks, So, all deaths are a form of suicide. Abraham responds, that would be one way of stating it, since everything that you experience comes about because of the balance of your thought, and no one else can think your thoughts or offer your vibration, that everything that happens in your life experience, including that which you term your physical death, is self-inflicted. Most do not decide to die, they just do not decide to continue to live. And then Jerry says, How do you feel about those who do decide to die and commit what we call suicide? And Abraham says, It makes no difference whether the thought you are thinking is one you have deliberately chosen to focus on or whether you are merely lazily observing something and therefore thinking the thought. You are still vibration and reaping the manifestation result of that thought. So you are always creating your own reality whether you are doing it purposely or not. There are those who seek to control your behavior for many different reasons, who even wish to control your behavior regarding your own personal experience, but their frustration level is great because they have no way of controlling others and every attempt at that control is futile. It's a wasted effort, so many are uncomfortable with the idea of people deliberately removing themselves from this physical experience by way of suicide. But we want you to understand that even if you do that, you do not cease to exist. And whether you depart this physical experience by way of deliberate suicide or by way of not deliberate release, the eternal being that you are continues to be and looks back on the physical experience you have just left behind only with love and appreciation for the experience." There are those who are filled with so much hatred as they live in their physical experience that the chronic pinching off from source and well-being is the reason for their death. There are those who simply are no longer finding interesting reasons to focus and remain who turn their attention to the non-physical, and that is the reason for their death. And there are those who have not come to understand energy or thought or alignment who desperately want to feel good and can find no way of stopping the chronic pain they have lived for so long that they deliberately choose to reemerge back into non-physical. But in any case, you are eternal beings who once refocused in the non-physical become whole and renewed and completely aligned with who you really are. And then Jerry says... So do we each then choose, to some degree, how long we're going to live in each life experience? And Abraham answers, you come forth intending to live and joyfully expand. When you disregard your guidance system, continuing to find thoughts that disallow your connection to your source, you diminish your connection to your replenishing source energy stream, and without that support, you wither. I'm reading that again, too, because that was very interesting. When you disregard your guidance system, continuing to find thoughts that disallow your connection to your source, you diminish your connection to your replenishing source energy stream. And without that support, you wither. And that's the end of that section. So it really does sound like our replenishment of source energy is like filling the car up with gas or watering your plants. You know, it's just what we do with ourselves. And then according to what I just read, Abraham is saying that we go back to the non-physical when we're that miserable. I never thought of it in that way, but but once again, Abraham gave us a new way of looking at things. And this next section is called A Process to Manage One's Body Weight. And that's gonna be very good for a lot of people. So Jerry asks What process would you recommend to those wanting to control their body weight? And Abraham responds, There are so many beliefs upon this subject. So many different methods have been tried, and most beings who are struggling with the control of body weight have tried many of those methods with little lasting success. And so their belief is that they cannot control their body weight, and so they do not. We would encourage a visualization of self as you are wanting to be, seeing yourself in that way, thereby attracting it. The ideas and the confirmation from others and all of the circumstances and events that will bring it about easily and quickly for you will come into your experience once you begin to see yourself that way. When you feel fat... You cannot attract slender. When you feel poor, you cannot attract prosperity. That which you are, the state of being that you feel, is the basis from which you attract. This is why the better it gets, the better it gets. And the worse it gets, the worse it gets. When you feel very negative about something, do not try to hammer it out and solve it immediately because your negative attention to it just makes it worse. Distract yourself from the thought until you feel better and then take another run at it from your positive, fresh perspective. Jerry asks, So is that why people will often go on a crash diet? and lose massive pounds, and then they'll find themselves gaining it back? Is it because the desire was strong, but they didn't have the belief and the picture of themselves as a thin person, so they filled that fat picture back in again? And Abraham responds, They want the food. They believe that the food will make them fat. And so, as they are giving thought to that which they do not want, in belief... They create that which they do not want. But that again is going about it in the hard way. For the most part, the reason why they lose the weight and then gain it back quickly is they never gain an image of self as they want it to be. They keep feeling fat. They keep thinking of themselves as that. And that is the image that they hold. Your body will respond to the image of self always. This is why if you see yourself as healthy, you will be. If you see yourself as slender or whatever it is you are wanting in terms of muscle or shape or weight, that is what you will be. And that's the end of that section. So obviously, we all have to see ourselves as we want to be first and hold that image. So if you want to be thinner or more muscular or whatever it is you want your body to look like, really get a clear image of that and hold on to that image and let that image inspire you to become that. And the next section is called, Regarding food, can I follow my bliss? And Abraham says, Some have argued that if they do take our advice and follow their bliss, always looking for things that feel good, they would happily eat things that are detrimental to their health or their body weight. People do often choose food to try to fill the void when they are not feeling good. However, if you have been tending to your vibrational balance for a while and you have learned the power of positively directing your thoughts toward an image of your body as you want it to be, then if you believe that eating a particular food is contrary to accomplishing that desire, negative emotion will come forth as guidance. It is never a good idea to pursue any action that brings forth negative emotion because the negative emotion means there is an energy imbalance. And any action that you participate in during negative emotion will always produce negative results. Negative emotion does not occur within a person because a particular food is contrary to well-being, but because of current contradictory thoughts. Two people could eat identical diets and follow similar exercise programs and get opposite results, which means there is much more to the equation than the consumption of the food and the burning of calories. Your results are always and only about your alignment of energy Caused by the thoughts you think. A good rule of thumb is get happy, then eat, but do not try to eat your way to happiness. As you have come to make your emotional balance your top priority, your relationship with food will change and your impulse toward food will change. But even more important, your response to food will change. Altering behavior about food without tending to your vibration nets minimal results. While altering thought will yield great returns without the necessary of altering the behavior. And so, let us say that you have decided that you want to be very slender, but you currently do not see yourself as you want to be. And your belief is, if I eat this food, I will be fat. And as you have a desire to be slender, but a belief that eating this food will make you fat, You would feel negative emotion if you began to eat that food. You might call it guilt, disappointment, or anger, but whatever it is, eating the food feels bad because given the set of beliefs that you hold and given the desire that you hold, this action is not in harmony. And so if you are following your bliss, you would find yourself feeling good about eating the things that do harmonize with your beliefs and bad about eating the things that do not. Once a desire has been established within you, it is not possible to offer your behavior that you believe contradicts it without feeling negative emotion. And the next section follows that, what are my beliefs about food? Abraham says, the beliefs that you hold regarding food are boldly reflected in the experiences you are living. If you believe that you can eat most anything and not gain weight, that is your experience. If you believe that you gain weight easily, then you do. If you believe that certain foods give you an energy boost, they do. If you believe that certain foods deflate your energy, they do. If you want to be slender, but you believe that a particular diet is not conductive to being slender, and you take the action of eating that diet, you will gain weight. People often initially balk at our seemingly simplistic analysis of your beliefs about food and how they affect your physical reality because they believe that their beliefs have come about by observing experience, and it's hard for them to argue with the factual evidence that the living of their own life and the observation of others' lives has provided them. However, observation of results give you scanty and inadequate information. For unless you are factoring in desire and expectation, then calculating the action of what has or has not been is irrelevant. You simply cannot leave out the most important ingredient in the recipe of creation and understand the outcome. People respond differently to food because the food is not the constant, the thought is. It's the way you are thinking about the food that is making the difference. And someone asks... A significant other pointed out to me that I have a little roll along my belt line and it would be good if I worked hard to get rid of it. I could exercise more or eat less or order salads. And because she is a significant other, I took it to heart and my role got bigger. Abraham responds, the most important thing that we want you to understand is that when you are using the word other, always use the word insignificant regarding him or her. Of course, we understand that people in your life are significant, but you must not let their opinions of you be more important than your own. And anytime anyone influences you to focus on something that makes you feel bad, you have received negative influence. We want you to practice your own thoughts so steadily that opinions of others become irrelevant to you. The only freedom you will ever experience comes when you achieve an absence of resistance, which means you will have figured out how to align your chronic thoughts with the thoughts of your own inner being. We have never seen anyone achieve the alignment or the feeling of freedom when they are factoring the desires and benefits of others into the equation. There are just too many moving parts and it cannot be sorted out. And so if someone says to you, I see something about you that I don't like, we would say, look someplace else. What do you think of my nose? Cute little thing, isn't it? What about that ear over here? In other words, we would encourage the other to look for positive aspects, and we would be playful and not allow our feelings to be hurt. In fact, we would practice positive thought about our life until we render our feelings unheardable. unhurtable. Yes, that's where it's at. And here's an example of my old story about my body. And here they're quoting someone telling their old story about their body. I'm not happy about the way my body looks. I've been trim and fit at times in my life, but it has never been easy, and those periods never lasted very long. It seems to me that I always had to work irrationally hard to even get close to the way I wanted to look, and then I just couldn't manage to stay there. I'm tired of depriving myself of good things to eat, only to end up not looking good anyway. This is hard. I just don't have the kind of metabolism that allows me to eat much of anything that tastes good. It's really not fair. But I don't like being fat either. And here's an example of a new story that person could tell themselves about their body. My body is a reflection mostly of the thoughts I think. I'm happy to understand the power of directing my thoughts and I'm looking forward to seeing physical changes in my body which reflect my changes in my thinking. I feel good as I anticipate my improved size and shape and I am confident that those changes are in progress and in the meantime I am generally feeling so good that I am not unhappy with where I currently am. It's fun to think on purpose, and even more fun to see the results of those deliberately chosen thoughts. My body is very responsive to my thoughts. I like knowing that. And in conclusion of this chapter, the last paragraph says, There is no right or wrong way to tell your improved story. It can be about your past, present, or future experiences. The only criterion that is important is that you be conscious of your intent to tell a better feeling, improved version of your story. Telling many good-feeling short stories throughout your day will change your point of attraction. Just remember that the story you tell is the basis of your life, so tell it the way you want it to be. And that's the end of the chapter. And I think that last sentence is so important, I'm going to read it again. Just remember that the story you tell is the basis of your life. So tell it the way you want it to be. And after what we just read, even with our weight and how we look, we have to tell the story in our head, in our minds, more about how we want to look, how we want to feel. And keep telling ourselves that story. And by doing that, we'll be inspired to take action So our body does look like how we want it to look. So that when we eat, we feel good about eating. So practice all that I read today in this wonderful section. And if you're already in perfect shape, then find another area of your life where you could tell yourself a better story. And just start there and get into a better feeling place about it all. And if you want help with any of this, or there's another aspect or aspects of your life that you want to improve, and you want to do it from a Law of Attraction point of view, or maybe you just want to feel happier and stay that way, please contact me for coaching. You can reach me through lifecoachdavid.com or just email me at david at lifecoachdavid.com. And I always offer a free mini phone coaching session with anyone who's interested in coaching so you can get an idea about how coaching is and I can find out about you and how you'd like to improve your life. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're getting a lot out of this podcast. And as I always say, choose to have a high vibration day.